0: Welcome to Insider Marketing. I'm Mark Thomas, Head of Growth here at Power by Search. And each week we'll be breaking down a SaaS company's marketing, giving ideas about how we would improve the strategy to get more trials, demos and revenue using demand gen, SEO and paid media. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Insider Marketing, the show that answers the question, what happens if an immovable force hits an immovable object? I'll just leave that hang there for a minute. <laughs> It really doesn't answer that question. No, in fact, Insider Marketing is a show which looks at strategy for marketing SaaS companies. And today I'm joined again by Dev Basu. Dev, you're, you're basically a co-host at this point. You've been on so
1: many times. I'm an unpaid co-host, but here I am again. <laughs>
0: Well, hey, look, like, someone's got to do it. And if you're the boss of the company, you may as well be the unpaid co-host. So I'm, I'm happy to have you uh, again. I'm always so glad to chip in. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Today, we're talking about DigitalOcean. And uh, for the uninitiated, here's a little bit of info that I prepared about DigitalOcean. Now, before we dive into the episode, I want to give you some context around DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is a suite of products for cloud development. They were founded in 2012 in New York. Now, most of the companies on insider marketing don't have public revenue figures, but because they're a publicly traded company, DigitalOcean does. And at the end of Q4 2021, they had an annual recurring revenue of $490 million. And a little bit different today, we're going to share strategy ideas for general demand with Dev Basu. Let's dive in. Alright, so DigitalOcean is a very different company in many ways to companies that we normally talk about. Firstly, because they're about ten times the size in terms of revenue, which is obviously a a big leap. But uh, they're also a super, super complex company. They have like a whole load of products. Dev, have you ever been a DigitalOcean customer?
1: I've not been a DigitalOcean customer because I'm not a a technical user, and I tend to be more of the kind of the business end of a, being a buyer. But I have been a DigitalOcean stockholder for a couple of years now, and so you know I have a general understanding of the kind of how that business runs and who they compete with, and so on. More as an investor than as a customer.
0: All right. So when he tells you that everything is going to be amazing. He's pumping the stock price, guys. Uh.
1: Nothing I share today should be construed as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence. This is not financial advice by any means.
0: (laughs) I'll have a voiceover read like one of those ridiculously fast disclaimers afterwards. We'll fit it in right there, you know. I actually have been a DigitalOcean customer in the past. Early on, probably for DigitalOcean, pretty close to when they launched, I believe that they had a specific product... I don't know whether they still do or whether I imagined this, but I certainly remember the DigitalOcean bills coming in. They had a specific product for WordPress deployment and I, at one point in my career, made a lot of money making WordPress sites for people. So I am familiar with DigitalOcean. I have also been a customer of many of their competitors and I was tweeting about this recently. In fact, I did a thread about how my Startup, my last startup suddenly went from, I think we had like 1 million posts to 16 million in four days. And so the scaling costs were like insane. I have never been more stressed than those four days. We were a Heroku customer. We had also used AWS uh, for some stuff. So it feels pretty visceral to look at DigitalOcean today, and um, I feel a lot calmer because I remember my DigitalOcean bills were significantly lower, which is actually potentially a good place to start, right? Dev, you're a you're an investor. You well, you on stock. You probably get the financial highlights, right?
1: Yeah, I've been looking at their uh, their fourth quarter results that they put out basically, and it's interesting. You know, when we when we start thinking through where they're at they have been building a pretty good business. I mean, net dollar retention over 110%, revenue growth has been strong double-digit growth basically as well. And that's kind of what we look for. Like we we want to see businesses that for the same beginning of period, customer expand them by the end of a particular period, which means they're buying more from that business on a usage-based perspective and then it is good but it's not best in class like if you think about the businesses in the cloud 100 that have net dollar retention in the 130 140 range for example that is where you know true best in class kind of comes in and the way you end up doing that is by selling multiple services and then growing the expansion revenue Within those, uh, you know, that that bucket of services, if you will, the other thing that's interesting about DigitalOcean specifically is that a lot of the customer base is um, SMB focused. So maybe unlike, uh, you know, Google Cloud or Azure, which tends to be more enterprise focused and is a large purchase that the CIO typically will uh, would put many millions of dollars behind. DigitalOcean tends to have uh, customers that that tend to pay a far more SMB type of ARPU, and so their ARPUs tend to kind of be around the sixty-five dollar range, and and it, it, they've been growing that over time. But this is not a you know multi-million dollar type of purchase by the companies that use them. There are some large companies that use them basically as well, but the average customer is an SMB customer, and as a result of that, that comes with some challenges with. Uh, Churn just by that element, for example. So they used to have churn that was about twenty percent in their first month, and their CEO was able to get it down to around ten percent, which is uh, which is great. But there's still a, a large SMB base that you know doesn't want to manage their own infrastructure. Yeah,
0: it's really interesting. They so rarely get to look at the public numbers and discuss them publicly that probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast won't have heard us talking like this before, but. This is how we think about growing businesses, growing SaaS companies. It's like okay, rather than what are the channels and what are the strategies and tactics you use, like you have to go back and understand that if you want to deliver predictable growth, you need to understand the levers of growth in the first place. So that ARPU number is really interesting to me because obviously in a in a shareholder letter or a, a kind of a, a you know any kind of report to shareholders you're going to like lead with the great news. And the great news is that there was a 29% over the fourth quarter growth in APU, right? Average revenue per customer. The kind of interesting number that follows that though is that they've got total customers grew to 609K with 99,000 customers paying more than $50 per month. And then here's the thing, this cohort represented 83% of total revenue and it grew 24% over the fourth quarter, which is great. But 83% of their total revenue comes from 99,000 customers who pay over $50, right? That means that there's a huge number of people who pay them less than $50 a month or quarter, depending on how you read that sentence. And I bet that's mostly down to non-active accounts or accounts who only have one service. So a key aspect of the focus here if we were working with DigitalOcean would be basically, okay, how do we focus on reviving inactive customers, first of all? So people who maybe ran something on the product and then were like, okay, we're going to have to like develop this over time or increasing the revenue from the sub $50 segment. So those people would be People who were just using one service versus the people who were previously using one service and then like churned because they went to maybe AWS or Heroku or whatever they ended up using or like home rolled I think because uh, they're maybe developers. But like that's the kind of the first lever to pull when we're thinking about growth. What do you think about that, Dev?
1: Yeah, I mean I totally agree. If you think about the the three ways we think about growing. The pipeline revenue and ultimately the ARR of the B2B SaaS companies and technology companies you work with. Number one, simple, just get more customers. Number two is get them to buy more often, which is kind of solved with with the recurring model, but then get them to buy more and more what more products and more within the same products, essentially. So that that's where the expansion revenue and the unlock comes from. And what we know to be true is that if you can sell a customer multi-product, churn tends to go way down and you know, the, the lifetime value tends to go way, way up because now they're more reliant and there's some lock-in effects and there's a higher switching cost of moving away if you're doing multiple elements with the same platform. And I think that's where the DigitalOcean has grown so large in terms of everything that they do from the computing to the databases to storage and networking that if they have concentration risk with one of these services um, or solutions and not selling the others, the question then becomes, what can demand creation or the customer journey evolve to, again, using their website? And our perspective on this is, you can use customer marketing for the customers you already have, and rather than only using in-app messaging or email or sales reps, there's a way for you to be able to actually create a pathfinder, if you will, through your own website so that customers who bought product A can naturally get introduced to product B, C, and D so that they then go out and try those out. They start paying for them. And then you start growing that ARPU over time.
0: That's really interesting. So you mentioned that we're not talking about in-app messaging or email. What does it look like then to do what you just said?
1: Well, if you think about in-app messaging and email, like the, the issue is that the email gets ignored, especially if it's purely broadcast-based. It's not a channel issue as much as it is about how to use the channel in this case. And similarly, in-app messaging is usually inopportune in terms of the time that it shows up. So, I mean, you think about this, Mark, every time you log into any SaaS that we pay for right now, and you see one of those... Uh, intercom um, message chatbot things that open up, how many times do you just close it because you want to get on with whatever you entered that app to start with?
0: Pretty frequently. If I'm, hey, if I don't close it, I'm probably procrastinating.
1: (laughs) So. Right? I mean, it's one of those things where you're like, this is an, it's, it's an interruptive element to the thing that I want to do. And so it's a fine way of getting in front of people, but it is interrupting them. And if you think about the way that, selling and buying has changed buyers have so much more control of, especially with like a a product led growth strategy where you can just you know go in and find solutions and sign up for them and pay for them without having to talk to anyone it makes even more sense for that journey to be again this concept of a pathfinder where you lay it out in a way where you don't need everybody to have the same level of solution awareness of what they should potentially do next. And so that lends to better website architecture, better call to actions and jumping off points within the content within the website. And then if it comes to if we are going to think about kind of further down in the channels like um, in email or in app messaging or even remarketing for that matter, what types of offers would you show and when would you show them to a customer such that if they're doing stuff with product A, the natural path is product B? And for a public company like DigitalOcean, they have, I'm sure they have scores of analysts to be able to draw correlations between if someone buys X, that their propensity to buy Y goes up. And so it's easy to come to that conclusion. I think what we're talking about is how do you work backwards from that conclusion to go, what are the meaningful and non-interruptive ways to talk about product B, if you have product A, using customer marketing and showcasing or shedding a light on customers who are buying product A and product B and seeing success from the better together combo. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. The solutions pages that they have on the site might be a good place to start while talking about this. So the first place that I immediately jump because I've been there and I'm currently there in some respects is the SaaS development solutions page, which is one of the ones in their menu. And by the way, the site that they're working with here must be so big. I haven't actually looked at the site map, but I bet it's huge because they've got so many products and so many different ways of selling them. But that's not always a good thing. In fact, you know, you have to really focus down on like, how are we gonna grow this thing? And the solutions pages are a good point to jump off here because of that. So if you click on this, you'll see SaaS hosting that grows with your business. And then there's a big block of text, which is fine. But the question that I have is how many people who want to build a SaaS or have built a SaaS and are at the point where they're looking at a cloud solution are gonna go SaaS hosting That sounds like what I need. I think that that number is really, really low. And I don't want to be really critical here of DigitalOcean because, look, hey, they're at like $400 $400 million revenue. Like they're probably doing something right. But the reality is, like, this is a big market. SaaS companies are a big market because they grow fast, they scale fast. And that means that their need for space in the cloud scales fast as well, right? So a page like this, you got to get it right. And when I come to it, I don't think I need SaaS hosting. I think there's a bunch of services that I might need, but they're really aligned around a problem rather than around a specific like keyword. I don't think that many people who've built SaaS are going, I need SaaS hosting. I think they're going, I need a cloud platform for my SaaS or, or something like that. You actually scroll down the page a long way before you realize that they have different tools to structure it. And infrastructure for a SaaS business. So they got like flexible compute, managed databases, storage, networking, app platform, that kind of stuff. There's really up until that point on this page, not a great way for me to discover what they actually can do for me as a person running a SaaS company or developing a SaaS product. And I think that's a really, really big missed opportunity on, on these pages and potentially
1: site-wide. Yeah, I totally agree with you, actually, on that. And, and often with a large business like this, and for context, by the way, they have about 36,000 pages that are in Google's index. So it is a beast of a website. You know, when it comes to B2B, especially, certainly there are, are much larger sites when you think about something like a TripAdvisor and and their index. But for a technology company, that's a fairly large website. And so it must be a nightmare to to handle and to upkeep essentially pages that go along with it. But if you look at like the consideration set of someone who, again, like yourself, Mark, has started a SaaS company, and you're looking at uh, Linode or you're looking at Volter, for example, their SaaS pages, I think, hit the nail on the head a little bit more. It's not about SaaS hosting, but it's about, you know, on Linode, it's cloud infrastructure that fits from user number one to your millionth customer. Improve SaaS margins with flat pricing structure, award winning support and no contract plans. Meet a need of any growing SaaS platform infrastructure that operates at scale. So I think they do a pretty good job of, you know, saying that we speak to your needs as a SaaS company and we can help you scale, and it's easy to get started, and it's easy to to stay with us as we grow. Vulture is a little bit different. They don't really have a page for SaaS, but they get straight into the nitty gritty of like, for example, if you're thinking about cloud computing, What type of computes do you need? What type of storage do you need? So block storage or object storage, for example. So if you are a technical user or developer, you go straight in there as opposed to into a a hub page, if you will, like this as you get deeper. And so those are two separate approaches. And obviously, we haven't talked about AWS or Google Cloud and so on. But these companies that I just mentioned get compared to DigitalOcean quite a bit. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. Actually, if we did speak about AWS, it'd be an absolute nightmare. It's such a hard thing to find the product that you need on there. So, uh, so DigitalOcean is already a massive improvement on that. So well done, guys. But the other thing as well, though, is like obviously you are competing against AWS, and even with an absolutely terrible site, AWS could still crush the market if it needs to. And one of the reasons for that. Actually, there's two, but one of the reasons for it is that they've got amazing word of mouth. They've got a brilliant community who are happy with using AWS, and we'll talk about that publicly. I think that's also a thing that's missing from DigitalOcean in two respects. And I'm not saying that doesn't exist, by the way. They might have amazingly happy customers who absolutely love it. But one way, for example, that DigitalOcean is missing out on that is like on that SaaS page. Just show me some companies, like show me logos of companies that I might recognize, SaaS products that are reliable, that use DigitalOcean. Right, that's a pretty easy next step. Like join companies like Airbnb or whatever in scaling with with DigitalOcean. Those kinds of things, like social proof on this page, are really missing. There's actually a video, but it's not clear without watching it, like who I'm looking at when, right? So I don't immediately get that feeling of like, oh, other people building a SaaS are using this.
1: And the funny thing is they actually have some of this content on like their homepage, for example. So you see companies like Ghost or Dev, and some larger ones, for example, using their platform as well. But even reusing some of these content modules for social proof across the entire site is just, one of the very simple, you know, low-hanging fruit ways to improve the customer journey and to increase social proof.
0: Yeah, 100%. And then I think the second thing, and this comes from reading reviews, by the way, of DigitalOcean uh, across the internet. One of the things that almost everyone said in those reviews is actually the community isn't what they expect it to be. That might be a strange criticism if you've never looked at a developer-focused product before but developer focused products often work on kind of advocacy and word of mouth and engagement and a feeling of like, Hey, I'm also at my computer working on a product. I have questions. I need support from other people who've done this. So developing the community, and they do have a whole community tab, by the way, on their on that kind of site-wide nav bar, I would actually go in a little bit and try to understand what isn't working in terms of community, because even if you feel like you've got it right as a company, if your customers don't feel like that and are willing to go off and talk about that on review sites, that's a problem to be solved. Because if they'll talk about why the community isn't great and it's a main selling point for many developer-focused products, they're also going to talk about how maybe like the product isn't quite there potentially, or like they can't get the support they need. And that's if you're a technical person in a company and you can't get the support you need to solve issues that's a real big pain point that you're missing out on solving so to kind of like bring this all together because we're going to run out of time here soon the challenge is for DigitalOcean. there's really two things the first thing is how do you take the financials that you currently have and leverage those to improve the growth of the business The first thing to do in that is to increase the average revenue per user. That would already improve things. The way that you do that is probably by improving the number of uh, products that they're buying from you. You can do that with better messaging. You could do that with improved user journey on the website. And you can also do it with the ways that we said, uh, you know, maybe aren't 100% the best, like email nurtures, those kinds of things. The second part of that is getting people to buy and stick around for longer, right? So, how do you do that? You make it's a function of the first thing, really. But selling people more technical products that support their infrastructure is obviously a great way to improve the uh, the stickiness of a product like this. So, there's that. And then finally, the second point, really, is that thinking about this community aspect and how to really make the most of that, so that the channel of community kind of advocacy opens up to you in a way that maybe you haven't already because that basically decreases the cost of acquisition across the board. If people are doing your marketing for you, developers are very word of mouth driven. We know this. They like social proof from actual developers and developer focused people that will also improve the overall economics of the business. And at the end of the day, what you want here is predictable growth. Predictable growth happens when you realize, okay, here's the levers. We can pull these and these things will come out after that. Dev, do you have anything to add before we wrap up?
1: No, I think you nailed it, man. It all just comes down to more customers buying more products more often and buying more of that same product as well from a user space perspective.
0: Nice. All right. Well, DigitalOcean, that was really interesting. Thank you for sharing your numbers publicly. I know it's a fiduciary responsibility, but... I still thank you for it because it made for a really interesting episode. We'll see you next
1: time. Sounds good. And I am still long DigitalOcean. This is not investment advice though. <laughs> Bye.
0: Well, that's it for today. But friend, it doesn't have to end here because if you want to do something about your SaaS marketing, you should go to our website. We have heaps of in-depth blog posts, podcasts, and other resources about how to grow your demos, free trials, and signups, with demand gen seo or ppc now if you want us to help you with that you can book a sas scale session by clicking on the work with us button in the nav bar or you can follow me on twitter at i am mark thomas that's mark with a c or follow our founder dev basu that's d-e-v-b-a-s-u i'll see you next time for another episode of insider marketing